0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time of the day you are watching this broadcast, this is Dr. Eric Tangumonkem with IEM Approach, where we inspire, equip, and motivate people to discover God's great potential in them, develop that potential, and deploy it There is great potential in you. And I don't want you to let anything, anything on earth, under the earth, above the earth, to stop you. I don't want you to let anything physical or spiritual to stop you. You are here for a time such as this. You have all what it takes already to position you to do well. However, it's critical for you to guard your mind. That is why King Solomon said, Above all else, guard your mind, for out of it flows the tints of life. The narrative you tell yourself, how you see yourself, what you believe about who you are, determines the outcome of your life. It is very, very tempting to focus on other people's opinion of you. It's very, very tempting to allow what other people have done to you or what people have said to you to prevent you from reaching your full potential. I don't want you to fall into that trap. That's why I'm having this conversation about racism. Maybe I have to share this story again with you if you are joining us for the first time. When I was a kid, we had no indoor plumbing. If you wanted to take a bath, you go to the stream or the river. Take off your clothes, put them on the river bank, jump into the river and take a bath. That's how we did it. No warm water, no filtered water. This meant that when you were naked in the stream, your clothes were far from you on the river bank. And my dad You should tell us this metaphor to make us understand that you don't let other people change you. You don't let other people change you. You don't let other people make you do what doesn't make sense. You are always in control. You are always in control. He said, if you go to the river to take a bath after you've naked yourself and you place your clothes on the river bank and you are in the the river taking a shower or taking a bath and a madman comes along and picks your clothes and puts them on, will you chase behind the madman to recoup those clothes what you should do is first of all go look for a different set of clothes put them on before you chase behind the madman the reason being that if somebody is fully clothed The so-called madman, in this context, this guy is well-dressed in your clothes. People don't know. You, who is now running behind the madman without clothes on, you'll be considered a mad person. Yeah, you can justify it. Oh, the madman made me do it. Does that prevent you from exposing your nakedness to everybody. How many times do you hear people say, oh, they made me do it. My environment made me do it. The lack of this or the lack of that made me do it. What you're literally saying is that you've relinquished control. Don't let your circumstances, as difficult as this may sound, that is the only way you win. I want to thank you for joining us. That was just an interlude to what we're going to be talking about today. And before we go too far, can you do me a favor? Can you share some of your social capital with me? I need your help. I'm trying to get to 100,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. Yes, 100,000. I started with one. I'm slowly getting to 2,000. And you can help me hit that goal of 100,000 by subscribing. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Do me a favor. The second thing is share this broadcast. And the last thing that I want you to do for me today is get a copy of this book. I mean, the broadcast is not just for me to sell a book. I've given away lots of copies of the book and I'm still going to be giving them away. That's why if you go on Kindle, the e-version is free. And the price itself was set at $789 for the hard copy so that many people can read the book. The information in this book is meant to set some people free. It's meant to empower some people so that they can take back their life and reach a full potential. There is nothing worse than mental slavery. Grab a copy of the book, Racism, Where Is Your Sting? Please don't only get one copy. You know some other person that this information can help them. And I have availability of massive discounts for anybody who needs more than one copy. I am going to be uh, talking about something today that is uh, very sensitive and very uncomfortable. However, I have to do it. We are in chapter three and the title of chapter three is saying it the way it is. Racism is universal. When I talk about saying it the way it is, it means I am going to get under some people's skin i'll start by getting under my own skin when i was writing the book i i struggled with what i'm going to be talking about today and i've been tempted even to skip it not to talk about it but i'm going to be honest with you and just get into it there's no way i'm not going to escape our story is our story I have been very uncomfortable. And I think some of you are also going to be uncomfortable when I start unloading that which I have to present today. Please, please, I want to plead with you. If you're listening, if you are watching, Please listen today, very, very keenly. Listen slowly. Don't make a rash Conclusion. Don't draw a rash conclusion because what I'm about to say is not politically correct in any in any way. It, it's a there is a lot, and that is why I want you to listen very carefully and make sure that you don't misinterpret me. So today, I'm going to be talking on I was told not to marry a foreign woman. I was told not to marry a foreign woman. Please, listen carefully. Make sure you don't jump into any rush conclusions. I'm bringing this topic up because racism has been blown out of proportion. Racism is a social construct that is destroying us, and to get to the root of the matter, we have to be as honest and open as possible. I plead with you, bear with me today. I don't like the blame game because it gives too much power to other people and circumstances that are surrounding you. The result is that you become helpless and trapped in your circumstances because you have relinquished control and power to outside forces. I'm not saying that what people do to you that you don't like, it's okay. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you have to take control and don't let people change you. I love my parents dearly and do not fault them for raising me the way they did. I'm going to say that up front. They did their best based upon the circumstances that are surrounding them, and I don't have an oiter of regret for what they told me as a kid and for raising me the way they did. In fact, I'm very, very proud of the extra mile they went in raising us and all their sacrifices. I will forever, ever be grateful. In fact, I'm having this conversation with you today and doing what I'm doing because of the sacrifices my parents made. They went above and beyond that, was, that which was expected to give me and my siblings a firm foundation, academically, spiritually, in every regard. I want to say that upfront so you understand that I don't have any remorse for what my parents told me as a kid concerning getting married to a foreign woman. We're having conversations. And I wanted to listen to it and listen very keenly or else you may throw out the bathwater and the baby. I don't want that to happen. And I'm not just trying to do any damage control here because no damage was done. I'm stating the obvious and that for us who understand racism, how to deal with it, We really need to start looking at ourselves. And today is the opportunity for me to look at myself and point to the lock of wood that is in my own eye. Remember, throughout the past broadcast, I've said the heart of man is desperately wicked, who can know it, and that given the right circumstances, all of us have the ability to be racist in our own way, if racism is a manifestation of superiority and inferiority complex, then every human under the sun has a tendency, the propensity, if given the right circumstances, if you don't train your mind, if you don't guard your mind, if you don't get regenerated, if you don't have a regenerated mind, you're going to become biased towards other people that don't look like you, don't sound like you, and don't speak like you. I remember when I was a kid, it was very difficult to see uh, women in my village that came from other, uh, from different ethnic groups. Once in a while you may find that somebody that is married that is not uh, of our ethnic group uh, in the village, and the few that did, they spoke with a very, uh, with a, spoke with an accent. They tried to speak the Mundani language that I spoke as a kid, and you can just tell that this person is not from here. And as a kid, I used to wonder. How come uh, this person ended up among my people? Well, don't they miss their own people? Don't they miss their own language? You now they're struggling to speak our language and they're not really doing a very good job at it. They have an accent. As a child, I had a hard time trying to process all this. But you know, with time, one grew older and learned more. Back to my parents. I believe God uses everything in our lives if we allow him to, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That is why we are admonished not to hate, but to pray for our enemies, love them, and forgive them. This is a tough call, but it has more to do with us and where we are going than the people that have hurt us and the tribulations they've done to us. You have the final say. Whatever is thrown at you, let those rocks be used to build a foundation. Let those lemons be turned into lemonade. Don't hold on to the head. Don't hold on to unforgiveness. You can use whatever has been thrown at you as a material, a raw material, to move to the next level. When I was growing up, my parents told me and my six siblings, you know, that oh, don't get married to a foreign woman when the time comes for you to get married. Now, a foreign woman in this context uh, was a, the girl from the next village or the girl, it doesn't matter if they're Canadian or not, anybody that doesn't speak a language that was not part of our ethnic group. Remember, I, I have been advocating that we should drop tribe and replace it with ethnic because the source of the, the, the origin of tribe is loaded with a lot of baggage and stereotypes. So I'm bringing up tribe because some of us maybe who didn't listen to that uh, uh, presentation may still be thinking in terms of tribe. Yeah, what I'm saying is that people that, uh, don't call, people that are different from you, yes, we, we had those conversations. We had them. It would be better to get married to our own people. I mean, for obvious reasons. There are many reasons why our parents will encourage our children not to go too far to get married to people they don't know. It's a risk. We need to understand the background before we uh, rush into conclusions. Now, uh, before you cast stones on my parents uh, for daring to think like this, I want you to understand that my parents are not the only ones who share such a sentiment. In Cameroon, Inter-ethnic marriages, if some people care to use tribal here for the purposes of this conversation, inter-tribal or inter-ethnic marriages are not commonplace because the Basas, Ewondos, the Bamiliki, the Bakosi, the Bayangis, the Mogamos, Balungs, the Bafors, the Bakundus, the Fulanese, the Hausas, the Bororos, all these ethnic groups only want to get married to their own. Please bear with me. The Bororo people get intermarried with each other. The Fulanese is the same. The bakosis is the same. The Undo, the is the same. I mean, once in a while, you'll find... Uh, intermarriages between these different ethnic groups. You know, the few who break out and get married are frowned upon. In some cases, families would threaten to disown their children because they get married out of their ethnic group. The parents put as many obstacles as possible to prevent this from happening. Hey, hey, before you say, oh, Cameroonians are backwards, what's going on here? I'm, I'm, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. If you go to Nigeria, the Igbos, Yorubas, Hausas, Fulani, Ibibio, Amasari, Ifik, etc., they also prefer to get married to each other for obvious reasons. They speak the same language, they have the same uh, culture, they eat the same food, they dance the same dances, they sing the same songs. I mean, it's easier on their belief system. That is why people do these things. This issue is not limited to West Africa. I'm coming for you. If you go to East Africa, the Luas, the Kikuyus. People prefer to intermarry. If you go to Uganda, everywhere, you will encounter this. every in Central Africa, Southern Africa, Northern Africa as well. It's a global issue. I dare to make a generalization that in most parts of the world, people from different ethnic groups find it difficult to intermarry, especially when the ethnic groups have a lot of differences. The more differences you have between people, the more difficult it is for them to bridge the gap. I want you to hold that thought and make sure we understand where this is coming from. You see, my parents, like many other parents, who prohibit their children from marrying foreign women have the best interests of their children at heart. Now, you need to understand that before Africa was colonized, every ethnic group was an independent nation. Yeah, some of the nations were made up of a thousand people. Some were made up of a hundred thousand. It just depends. But they were one hundred percent independent and autonomous. This meant that to intermarry, it was international, uh, an international marriage. So every ethnic group was was uh, 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 y- you had to go out of any group to get married to some other person, another ethnic group. It took a lot of negotiation for such uh, transactions to happen. And by the way, these nations fought each other. In some cases, it was not possible to get married because of some of those hostilities. Now you have to look at everything from that backdrop. We're going to touch more on that as I continue our discussion. I just want you to understand where this idea of foreign came from and and why some parents are hesitant for their children to cross uh, these lines. The issue is this, instead of facing, focusing on the challenges that married couples will face, so if the, the, the more different the ethnic groups are, the more challenges you are gonna face. Instead of focusing on these challenges, the parents cross the line when they start using stereotypes and unfounded biases to discourage their children from marrying out of their ethnic group. It's one thing to discuss with your child the uh, difficulties and challenges that you're going to face uh, when you cross over into another ethnic group to marry. But it, it doesn't help when stereotypes are brought up to discourage children from intermarrying. You will be shocked by some of the things uh, some of the parents will tell their children and the great lens the go to ensure that their son or daughter does not marry someone from a different ethnic group. It's happening as we speak, it's happening. Now, I'm going to ask the obvious question, isn't it? Now you've heard that globally in Africa, parents tell their children, watch out, I mean, some parents, I'm not saying that every parent does. I'm not making a sweeping statement here. I've referred to how I was raised. Why is it that when I use white again here, it's a Caucasian family, I don't believe in the white and black divide. It's there, it's a construct. But for the purposes of this conversation, so that, You you understand what I'm talking about. I'm going to use the word white. Why is it that when a white family prohibits their own child from getting married to a person from a different ethnic background is blown out of proportion and racism is invoked? If the person says, oh, don't get married to an Igbo, and we don't say, oh, racism, racism, why is it that if uh, a Caucasian says the same thing, I want you to get married to somebody that looks like you, why, why do we invoke racism and demand a pound of flesh? Do you want to tell me that, are the concerns of the African parent or any other parent in any way different? Do some people think that what is good for us is not good for others? Do you see how discrimination is a hard issue and found anywhere you have people? If these attitudes are not checked, they will continue to divide the human race. We cannot say the discrimination uh, between Caucasians and other ethnic groups is more egregious, no. Discrimination is discrimination. So if you're a Yoruba uh, person and you cannot get married to somebody else that is not Yoruba, you, 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 you can justify it all day you want. There's no difference between that and if a Caucasian family insists that their own children shouldn't get married to any other person. Don't call them racist, please. You are exhibiting the same attitude. You are. You are. You are, because what you are doing is you are placing external preferences above the internal ones. You are saying they don't talk like us, they don't eat like us, they don't dress like us. Because of that, we can't get along. We can't get that intimate relationship. Some are going to argue that because the discrimination is coming from a Caucasian, it's more egregious. I will say whatever whoever thinks like this is refusing to remove the lock of wood in their own eye and focusing on the tiny piece of wood in some other person's eye. If you think that disowning, shunning a child because he or she got married to somebody from a different ethnic group is justifiable. You need to wake up. It doesn't matter if it's among Africans or among Europeans, or no matter Indians, anywhere you find it, any parent, any group of people who think, or oh, we can discriminate and prevent our own from intermarrying with others, you are just exhibiting the corruptness of the senses because you have seen something that is not there. You may be wondering, what is my journey? How did I end up uh, getting married to a foreign woman? When I left home and went to the university, they took some classes in sociology, and uh, the more I read and started understanding the world, it occurred to me that um, we had more in common than the things that were dividing us. Now, I've said, when Africa was colonized, the different nations, the different ethnic groups were forced to start living together under a new nation. The boundaries that existed between these different ethnic groups and nations became blurred with time because the colonizers set up uh, cities and plantations and now people moved into these cities, and started having children, and these children are raised side by side with other children from other ethnic groups. And now you're going to be surprised to hear that in Cameroon, for example, when it is uh, on Sunday, most people from the different ethnic groups, to the, the congregate, they have meetings, in pidgin we'll call them, country meeting. is like a meeting that represents this particular ethnic group. So the whole city segregates into these different um, meeting houses because people like to congregate around what they're used to. So even when people left the different ethnic groups from the villages and congregated in the cities, there is still to be Uh, a type of integration where people identify with each other. People still identify with the ethnic group they came from for obvious reasons. But the more that I studied, I realized that people have subcultures. So the children of these people that have moved into the city have their own subculture, which means, for example, I'm from Bamumbu. And if I'm being raised in the city with other children from other ethnic groups, we share a certain subculture that is different from a chai that is from my village or from my ethnic group and was raised strictly in the village without a lot of interaction with other people. So we may have this level of coming from this ethnic group and sharing certain things but also have certain things to share with the other kids that were being raised in that environment. And that is why when you go to Cameroon, I'll be talking about my own ethnic group. When you go to the city, there are kids from my ethnic group who don't speak the Mundani language. Why? Because they grew up in a city, and what they learned was to speak English, maybe French and Pigeon, you name it. Therefore, you have to move carefully when you insist that a child from what ethnic group that is raised with other children from a different ethnic group is completely different from those kids. No, they share a subculture. And as the years are going by, hopefully these new subcultures are going to become dominant cultures eventually. So people can they can be more nat- uh, national integration and uh, will not, we'll not have some of the ethnic tensions that we're having right now. So I'm thinking maybe the lack of integration when all these different ethnic groups moved into cities, maybe the lack of integration is still uh, uh, being propagated by fear and and mistrust. People don't know each other enough to really get along and, and people always want to preserve that which is theirs. Now, please don't get me wrong. There are lots of sacrifices to be made when you intermarry out of your ethnic group. It's a fact. And that is why those who embark on this, you have to be willing to pay the price. It's not gonna come for free. Why? Because. The more the differences you have, the more you have to negotiate. Not too long ago, my mom called me and he was talking to our first son in the Mundane language. Unfortunately for me, when I got married, I went abroad, raising a young family abroad. Yeah, I'm gonna give excuses, but do they really count? I don't know, but I'm just stating the obvious fact that my kids don't speak the Mundane language at the moment because I and my wife don't speak the language, because uh, we got, after one year of uh, one year of marriage, I came here to the U.S., she joined me, and uh, we've not had time to learn the language, so we speak English uh, to our kids. And we, for pragmatic reasons, we've been encouraging them to learn Spanish, because we're living in Texas, and uh, Spanish is the second language here. If you learn Spanish, it's gonna help you. So, we've had to make some sacrifices because of that. And I think the focus should be on if you're a Caucasian, you want to get married to a different person, remember, you know, maybe you grow up eating differently and doing things in a different way. Now that you're going to cross this divide, you're going to have to make a lot of adjustments. The conversation should be centered around that, but not on, oh, these people are inferior, we are superior, yada, yada, yada. That is not really helping at all. And I'm saying this, that it's okay. If you don't want to go the extra mile, if you don't want to uh, uh, make the sacrifices, that is fine also. But to uh, um, condemn, look down on people who think It's best for them, it's best for their kids not to go through uh, certain things and we think it, it, when it concerns the, the Caucasians, and, and, and other ethnic groups and we want to highlight and say, so, oh, racism at play, racism at play, forgetting to know that we do the same thing, uh, that is really, it's, it's very, very unfair, very unfair. We don't have to do it like that. However, we should not allow uh, fear and ignorance to drive a decision-making process. Even when it comes to something as important as marriage, it is important to focus on the fact that uh, the more different the backgrounds are, the more you have to work on certain area of, of the marriage to look for common ground, so it's just it's just it's just a fact of life. You're gonna have to make a lot of negotiations. You're gonna have to. I remember once in a while you know, I talk with my wife. We fortunately for me, I was raised both in the village. My father traveled a lot. Uh, I mean, he, he was transferred from one place to the other. Some of the stories are going to come up where, because he was a school teacher and I got exposed to many different cultures and uh, we lived in different places. In fact, I went to five different elementary schools. And uh, fortunately for me, there is an overlap where my wife was raised. We are not from the same ethnic group, uh, but where she was raised, my father, I spent some time around that environment. And again, just being from Cameroon, we have a lot of, a lot of similarities. We share jokes. And uh, if if I were married to a Caucasian, you know, I just talked about the example of going to the stream and um, removing my clothes and taking a bath and not having indoor plumbing, growing up and things like that. It's going to take a while to be able to get uh, my wife up to speed for us to share some jokes and some experiences. So you have to get into it aware of what it's going to take. It's not that One is superior, one is inferior. We need to face the fact that you're going to have to do a lot of work. But this is what we don't do. You don't use unfounded stereotypes and invoke fear of the unknown to discourage people from different ethnic backgrounds, from getting married. Just make sure the reasons you are given are legitimate enough. Just make sure There are no stereotypes. Just make sure you are not being driven by fear and ignorance. Yeah, it's been a little bit uh, an uncomfortable topic today, but the main point I wanted to get across is this. Racism is universal, and everybody is capable of becoming a racist. This is a a quote from Jordan Pele. I quoted it yesterday. I want to quote it again in conclusion. Racism comes in many different forms. Sometimes it is subtle, and sometimes it is overt. Sometimes it is violent, and sometimes it is harmless. But it is definitely there. It's something that I think we are all guilty of. And we just have to make sure that we deal with our own personal racism in the right way. That is what I've been trying to say today, that we need to check our own hearts. Don't call other people racist when your actions are just the same, like their own. If you think it's justifiable for you, a Yoruba person, an Igbo person, a Hausa person, Bororo, a Bibio, a Fik, a Wondo, whatever nationality, whatever ethnic group you come from, if you think it's justifiable for you not to get married out of your ethnic group because of obvious reasons, you may want to preserve your language, preserve your culture, whatever it is. Please don't dare you, don't dare you, don't dare you. Cry! Oh, racism! The Caucasians don't want to get married to other people. Please don't don't say that. The reasons are not different. It's fear. It's ignorance. We can get along if we make the necessary sacrifices. That's where the conversation should be because there are going to be sacrifices. People don't like to change. I mean, there are a lot of foods that I eat. I mean, once in a while, I tell my wife, I'm really happy. At least we came from the same country, we eat the same type of food. Can you imagine me eating pizza all the time? I don't know, I want to eat my fufu. Does it make pizza? Inferior and fufu superior? No, no, no. The issue is we eat what we're used to eating, and it's going to take some extra mile to change, to adopt new ways of doing things. And we should focus on this and start giving people the skills and the tools to be able to grow out of their culture and connect with other people. Yeah, this topic, this chapter, is going to be a little bit inconveniencing. We're going to be talking about the most segregated hour. We're going to be talking about ethnocentrism as well and alive. life. I want you to stay tuned. I want to thank you so much for hanging in there. Please share this broadcast, invite other people to join us, subscribe to my channel. I like to hear your own comments about this topic. What did your parents tell you when you were growing up? What did they tell you about who to get married to and why you have to get married to a particular person? What do you think about inter-ethnic marriages? What do you think about marriages between people of lighter skin tone and darker skin tone? What do you think these days the divorce rate in the United States was about 50%. It doesn't really matter people's uh, skin color, people don't get along. And that's why I've been saying the issue of the heart is the issue of the heart. Racism is a boogeyman. Racism is a smokescreen. We must start learning to see beyond race because it's just one human race. We come in different colors. We come in, in different shapes and sizes. It doesn't make any less human. It doesn't make any superior. It doesn't make any inferior. Thank you for listening. You have a wonderful weekend. Tune in tomorrow as we talk about ethnocentrism is well and alive. God bless you.